Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, Josh Zeman. If you're a fan of true crime, you probably know Josh's work. His award-winning documentary, Cropsy, from 2008, put him on the true crime map. We talk about how he became interested in the subject and how he made the film, which is, by the way, a must-see. You can see it on Amazon Prime. He went on to do another successful doc after that, sort of based off of the Cropsy idea called Killing Legends. That's also streaming on Amazon Prime. And most recently, he did the killing season for A&E, where he and another documentarian investigated these serial killings in Long Island and then sort of branched out from there. Even though Josh got his start in feature films, he has firmly planted his flag in the true crime genre, which lucky for him is not going away anytime soon. And away. <laughs> Hi, Josh. Hi, how are you? I'm good. So I always start the podcast by saying how we know each other. And mm-hmm. you and I just met a few days ago. That's right. I feel like I've known you forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we try to hire you for two shows that I've done now. Really? Um, well, for the JonBenet show, I yes. know we spoke. And yes. then I think we tried to hire you for this most recent show we're in production on. But anyway, I'm excited because I know we're going to work together soon. You are the true crime guru, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm excited to finally meet you in person because you are here from New York. Yes, yes, pitching a new show. Yeah, which we're hoping we have high hopes for. <laughs> <laughs> I always have high hopes, right? You got to be. That. If you're not, I always say, if you're not optimistic, you might as well just get out of the business. Oh, totally. You know, you have to be blindly optimistic. You have to be like a warrior, a magician, a lover, <laughs> yeah. a fighter. You really have to. You know, it's pitching stuff. You know, it is. I it's like cr- it though. It's fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it because you feel like you've like everything up until this moment has led to this and now it's your time kind of thing? You know, it's really it's a little bit of a moment of truth, you know. Can you, you know, obviously the business is uh engender for everybody to say no. You know, because <laughs> right, it's all risk adverse, yes, right? So every so there everybody just wants to keep the job. So no, 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 no. And your job is to take away the no's. And so I love like trying to take away the no's. Like, go ahead. You probably are asking yourself, why should I make this? Or what's this? Or what's that? Yeah. So you're preemptively knowing the no's. I'm preemptively looking for the no's. Yeah. And then try and take those away, you know? Yeah. It's a frustrating model where it is no, you have to turn the no into the yes, where it's not yes, but prove me right. Yeah. You know, it's again, (laughs) risk adverse, you know, and, but that's, hey, you know. Suck it up. That's what it is. It is. But I also think, you know, you're in such a great genre as I am right now that, you know, it's a, it's a genre that's selling. It's a genre that's doing well. So you would think there would be less risk aversion because of that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that happens, you know, I was in the independent film business, you know, side right. before this. And what happens is, you know, it's a very fickle, you know, everybody's like, oh, what's the next thing? And right. so suddenly there's like eight thousand people doing true crime yeah i mean and as a result it floods the marketplace so then you have the responsibility to rise above uh and so it's 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 always it's never easy no it's not i think that you know what makes you special is your work i mean the fact that you're not just i mean what frustrates me because it's not about me but you know in terms (laughs) of you know you know about our company and what we do and that is actually unique that is actually special you are actually unique and special in the sense that, you know, you will get into it, but you've created these incredible doc and doc series um, that have distinguished you in the field. You're not, and no offense to anybody else out there, because there are a lot of people doing true crime, but, mm-hmm. you know, and I did it with my old company too, and we were a jack of all trades company. A yeah. lot of people can do it, yeah, but there's a way to make it. You know, the sort of credible authorship behind it, I think, is what I'm gonna, hopefully going to distinguish you you know, with all of the stuff you bring out. And it's not like you're bringing stuff out every week either. Well, that's the, that's the other thing. You know, it's like I have, I guess, you know, if you can pick some kind of style, I, I you know, it's just kind of active investigation type of thing. Um, and how did that... How did that happen? Well, yeah, let's go back. So you sure. started in features and you actually did one of my favorite independent movies, The Station Agent, which... Um, Tom McCarthy. McCarthy. What a great. And he did Spotlight. He did Spotlight. Wow. So yeah. how did you get, was that the goal was to do features at the beginning of your career? Yeah, I was a, I was a feature uh, producer, you know, director, you know, I was an assistant director for a long time. Um, and I was always trying to make uh, my own feature films. And then interestingly enough, uh, I couldn't get the money for a narrative. And I'm like, all right, well, just let's just do it in doc 
you know, doc was a fallback position to do huh. Cropsey as a documentary was a fallback. So let's talk about that. So that sure. what, what year did Cropsey uh, crop up, if you will? <laughs> uh, what year did it come out? No. Or what, what year, year did, did it, like... you even start thinking? I mean, you grew up on oh, Staten Island and I guess you had always thought about it in the back yeah, of your mind. Yeah, you know, it was always there uh, and it had always been in the back of my mind. And then I, uh, you know, went went to college and studied journalism and, mm-hmm. and, and then I came out here, lived out in L.A. and I was uh, a PA and mm-hmm. and then an AD and you hear ma- that kids pay your dues. That's right, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. I PA'd. I second. I like PA'd. Set PA'd. Key. You know, key second, 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 first AD, UPM. The whole Good nine yards. Ran through the whole thing, and uh, and then I finally moved back to Staten. Moved back to New York mm-hmm. to kind of uh, jump into the independent film scene that was growing at yeah. the time in New York. And uh, was producing and and then at the time, you know, I was trying to get my own stuff off the ground. It was it was a screenwriter for a while, optioned some stuff, and then you know I decided to make Cropsy. So let's talk about. I don't want to do. It's tough to talk about without spoiling it. Sure. So I'm. You're sure. way more versed in this. Yeah. So tell us about well, Cropsy. Well, there's an interesting and and there's an interesting thing about why you decide to make something. So. Um, Cropsy is about, uh, when I was a kid growing up in Staten Island, New York, there was an urban legend about an escaped mental patient, uh, centered around the Willowbrook Mental Institution, which was this famous, what's called snake pit mental institution that they had in the sixties and seventies where you like dropped your kid off and you never saw them again. And so it was massively overcrowded, horrific conditions. Yeah. Geraldo, like growing up in New York, I remembered the special yeah. report Geraldo did on it, which you have in the film. And it's just right. the most horrifying thing you ever could see. Really. Exactly. And so there's always this, it, it closed down and it was in the middle of Staten Island. And we used to go there and have keg parties and all that other stuff, you know, like, oh, let's go to the, will, you know, let's go to the mental institution and hang out. Before there was ghost hunting or anything like right. that. This was pre-ghost hunting world. And um, and there was always this urban legend about an escaped mental patient named Cropsy who lived in the basement who would come out and snatch you. And we didn't really think anything of it as teenagers until this little girl with Down syndrome disappeared from our neighborhood and they found her body buried on the grounds of that mental institution a couple weeks later. And suddenly uh, they arrest this guy. He's not an escaped mental patient like the urban legend goes. He's a former worker who had lived in campsites on the grounds. And then the police reveal he had been suspected of taking four other kids over the course of 30 years, but they could never catch him because they can never find the bodies. Corpus delecti, no body, no crime. And so, um, you know, his name's Andre Rand. He's sent to jail and, uh, you know, kind of the story filters away. And then uh, I met Barb, uh, who's the other filmmaker, and we got to talking. We're like, hey, you remember that story when we were kids about Jennifer Schweiger and Andre Rand and Cropsey? Wasn't that really crazy how it was like this kind of urban legend come true? And we're like, hmm, that would be cool to make a documentary, right? (laughs) And this was something that had happened in our past. And literally, we went and we took a hike in Staten Island into Willowbrook. And we were kind of hiking through the grounds. And there was an old playground, like, where the swing set was like, God. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then like brushing away the leaves. There's actually a scene in the film Mm -hmm. where you're brushing away the leaves and you see the old food trays. Yeah, oh, that was so gross. And we're like, okay, this, the mystery, what happened back then is very much still on the surface. We can still show that, you know, it was about how do you show what happened in the past today? Yeah, and I mean, I know this was intentional, so Mm -hmm. you really made, in some ways, a horror movie. I mean, was that, I'm about to ask, was it intentional? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good question. You know, it was so haunting. Well, this gets into a great point. So we're like, okay, you know, we have the methodology for being able to tell a story that happened in the past in our childhood. But what, you know, every documentary has to have a, or every film even, why now? And and as a filmmaker, if you're a filmmaker out there, if you're documentarian, whatever, ask yourself, why now? And if there's not a good why now, you know, hold off, you know, until there is a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because good that's one of the things that any executive is going to ask you. Why now? Mm-hmm. So um, a few weeks later, the district attorney in Staten Island announced that he was reindicting this gentleman, Andre Rand, for 
um, a girl who had disappeared in 1981 named Holly Ann Hughes, whose body had never been found. And had you already started shooting at that point? That's what I wasn't Mm-mm. killer. Okay. And so I, I was think we were thinking right. about it, you That's know, amazing. but then suddenly the the why now yes. happened. And so I my influences uh, are 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 Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. To me, that was the benchmark of what I wanted to try and create. Uh, and and. Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sinofsky, you know, that's centered around a trial. Mm-hmm. What's very interesting uh, in in New York uh, City law, you cannot film a trial. You can in other places um, like Tennessee or Florida and things like that. You can't do it in uh, New York City. So I went in with the intention of trying to make this kind of like theoretical Boo Radley courtroom drama. And... <laughs> but then I wasn't allowed to film right. the trial. And I think I saw some books, <laughs> some books on a desk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I wasn't allowed to film the trial. Right. And then I was like, okay, well, let's talk to the community. And what yeah. it became, and this is when, when they say documentaries start as something and become something else. It's totally true. Wow. It became how the community created their own monsters. And it it didn't matter what the facts were. They wanted to believe the fiction. Yeah. Whether that was, you know, devil worshiping or, or, or mental institutions or the whole nine yards. And you just happen to have such a rich community. I mean, Staten Island with the people (laughs) and the accents. I mean, it's, it doesn't really get much better unless it's like, you know, deep into Alabama, you know, in terms of sort of the big personalities. Totally. Right. It's something you can kind of like, it brought me back. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, that just added to the color of it. And, you know, when you were making it, did you, first of all, how long did it take you to make it? And then sort of, did you realize what eight you years. had? What? Yeah. Eight years. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, I, you know, the thing is, oh, <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, the, I don't, and docs take a long time, wow, you know. Wow, labor of love. So what made it take so long? The pretrial motions of the Honorary Rand trial were four years. Oh my God. And that was because they were trying, they kept moving him around, like bring him down from, um, the facility. They wanted to move him out of the facility, bring him into Rikers, send him back. They kept on doing this because he's like ADD control freak. So they were trying to upset him so that he may um, say something and right. reveal where the bodies they were. They kept trying to get him and it and yeah. never, never did. No. I mean, all those letters, those letters freaked me the fuck out. I've never seen handwriting like that. Well, he was a sign painter. So he. I mean, incredibly beautiful handwriting. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was like, it was very much like Darger, you know, Henry Darger's work, you know, in in that way. Um, And and so one of the reasons, so another Were you doing other stuff when all that was going on? Okay. So it wasn't. Just Cropsey for eight years. No, 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 no. (laughs) Um, So it was like four years for the trial and then. You know, the shooting and and again, it's like docs, man, you know, they start like I said, start as one thing, you know, move on to another. And so the other thing was the tone tone. The tone of that film was not something other than Paradise Lost that I had really kind of like seen before. So we had to find the tone, you know, this kind of horror documentary, creepy thing. And again, so here's the interesting thing, right? At the time. Uh, there were all these uh, Blair Witch had just come out, you know. I was thinking this is your Blair Witch in a way. Yeah, and so I'm like, okay, Blair Witch uses fake footage and yeah. makes it feel like a documentary because documentary is scary because re- reality is scary. We're taking documentary footage, which is real, and making it seem like a horror film. So it's a little bit like reverse Blair Witch. Love it. Um, and that's the style that I've since kind of like adopted. Yeah. Uh, but doing that for the first time, people are like, what? you know, it, it takes a while to to hone that, to hone the tone. Uh, hone the tone, baby. Hone I, the tone. I, and I love that. And I also think, you know, when you say tone, um, I know what you mean, but I also think tone encompasses that look too. Like it's it's all one and the same. You know, I mean it. That sort of sepia with the font and the typewriter. And I just, I'm so into that stuff. And I think that is always what sort of will stick in your mind almost long. For me, because I'm visual and a producer. But for me as, you know, someone who works in that genre, that sticks in my mind almost more than the story. Oh, that's cool. Well, it's like what I take away for inspiration for other things. Like, remember in Cropsey when they use that, you know. Well, it's weird that you say that. (laughs) As a filmmaker, I never would. And this is why collaboration is important. You know, I never would have thought that 
that font was that important, but I had a great producer who realized like, he's like, no, we're going to take the font from the, from the newspaper back in the day, which had this really just weird font. And we're going to use that because he, and I'm like, oh, 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 sure. You know, and, and and he's the guy who put that together and that like makes these things make all the difference. Yeah. It's also this amazing experience. I had this also with, um, Eli, uh, I don't know if you know him and Aaron Sedman did it. They're, uh, own a company called IPC. They do the Leah Remini show. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, we were talking about the right, other day. Yeah. Uh, they did a really wonderful doc you may have seen called The 7-5 about the 75th <laughs> precinct. That is a great, yeah. great document. So it's interesting. It, it sort of reminded me, it means very different than yours, but the, oh, no, the that... commonality is I grew up in New York. I grew up listening to 1010 Wins on the radio. My dad would fall asleep to 1010 Wins. So funny you bring up 1010 Wins because I said... This dun, 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 I was like, super. we gotta have ten ten oh wins in there. Right? That's I, all I, when it was underneath the yeah, footage. I was like, oh, I love it. And then um, Dave Navarro, and you yeah, know, yeah. I didn't see Sue Simmons, but Chuck Scarborough. Like these are literally. It's Mary hard Murphy. to understand now because they're not. You know, it's a different world we live in now. But yeah. growing up, that's all we had was local news and the freaking radio. We didn't have Sirius XM. You Listen, know, eyewitness so it, news. It was really nostalgic for me. Well, that's the whole thing. Like, yeah. I, you know that, and that was like the missing. It's. You know, the missing children thing of the 1980s. It's like, it's it's 9 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Uh, All the time in the milk carton. I mean, I was like, I was a terrified kid because I didn't remember specifically, you know, what what year was Jennifer? Schweiger, Uh, 87. Yeah, I was already a little, yeah, I was already older, but... Mm -hmm. um, it was it was always sort of the backdrop of fear. And also New York wasn't safe back then. So there was always sort of that lurking, like, you know, the Dart Man. I don't know if you remember that in the 70s. Like, yeah, well, there was a lot of weird the shit. The Dart Man. Well, yeah. listen, I was, you know, like, I was a latchkey kid. <laughs> Same. So I was a latchkey kid. So I would come home and, like, sit in the dark and watch <laughs> Eyewitness News at, <laughs> at 6 p.m. That led with a murder every night. Yeah, you know, and if it bleeds, it leads, right. you know. So, like, yeah, like, Chuck Scarborough and Sue Simmons, like, they were... They were it, and yeah. and so Mary Murphy and all the others. So and ten ten wins. So yeah, it was. I I, I am I am ninety eight percent New York crime. Did you get to the bottom of the mystery of how Dave Navarro has, or not Dave Navarro? What's the name of the reporter? That's Geraldo. No no no. The the Latin guy who was the main. Wasn't his last name Navarro? Dave Navarro, yeah. It was, yeah, okay, because yeah, yeah. it's also, isn't Dave Navarro from, like, a band, too? Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, Okay, that's yeah. what I got. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Okay, so yeah. did you get to the bottom of how Dave Navarro doesn't age? That's an important, <laughs> that's an important mystery that was perplexing me the entire time, right? And, and Dave Navarro's back on, like, now he's, like, yeah. head on Fox or something like that. I'm I sure love them is. all. They're all They're great. amazing. Anyway, Mary so, Murphy, she was, she yeah. actually popped up again in... Uh, in the Long Island case that I did, and then Geraldo pops up again, and you know, in this, and I'm looking at the Son of Sam stuff. You well, know? Geraldo always pops up. Totally. Geraldo's never gonna go away. Me and Geraldo, we really yeah. have this. You, Geraldo and I. Yeah, that's your book. That's gonna be your memoir, <laughs> right. right? Like uh, Maury and me. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so once it finally came together and it came out, you know, this was my original question: Did you know what you had in that? Did you know that you had? A, a cohesive no. documentary. No idea. That's the hardest part, right? Here, so here's the funny thing. So we're doing like, I. it took so long to do. And also like somebody said, like, I've never seen this style documentary. I'm like, that's great. He's like, no, right. gonna, it's not good. <laughs> oh, I hate those people. You know, he's yeah. no, no. But he was right. He's like, it's always tough to be the first because people aren't going to understand right. How do what I you're doing. This? How do I watch this? How do I miss to feel? How am I, yeah. you know, and now... You know, horror documentaries people know, but at the time, you, you you know, you knew you were in uncharted territory and you were gonna have to like grin and bear it. So we, you know, and I had edited for so long, and we were worried about the tone, and we would have these screenings for these interns, and the in, the movie would end, and I'd be like, "What do you think?" And the intern was speechless. They they didn't say anything, and then they would just like walk out. Thank you for the feedback. <laughs> and, and I was like, "Well, oh, I was like, did they like it? That's did they the not worst. like it?" And then I realized they were just like. They were processing. They didn't know how, right. They didn't know how to feel. They didn't know how to feel. They didn't be like, wow, that was so crazy. And, you know, it kind of gets you. And then in the end, kind of like asking the audience to make their own judgment. Like, that's not something, you know, typically you do. Of course. So... Yeah, it's not like wrapped up in a pretty bow. And yeah, way. yeah, yeah, not at all. Well, I, you even said that, I don't, and again, no spoilers, but in interviews when you were asked about his guilt or innocence, you had some interesting things to say. So it's not yeah. just one thing. Yeah, you know, that was that was the whole thing. Uh, and so it was just, I never got any feedback. So I was right. just like, let's just 
Put it into the world. Just fucking put it yeah. out there, please. And let's just, and I don't care anymore. Right. Just and then it. suddenly oh. people are like, oh, we really like it. I was and like, did you, le- was it did, was it released theatrically on the film circuit? How did it go? Uh, festivals. Okay. And then I was offered a deal. Um, and uh, it was, this was in 2009. Okay. Like the independent film business yeah. was literally like in flames. Like companies right, were closing down every day. Yeah. yeah. And so oh, I was offered this horrible deal. By some great folks, though, at ISC, I didn't take it, and I ended up self-distributing it, um, which actually ended up doing pretty well on the self-distribution side. So I got early into the digital game. Nice. And it's still going. I mean, it's yeah, still, and, and, right? Yeah. So the digital game works there. If you get in early, and then you get on like the queues, and then you get into the recommended algorithms, it feeds itself. And so we ended up getting higher and higher and higher on like right. the. So algorithms. that means so th- so basically that means if you liked this, then you'll love Cropsey or whatever. Right, right, okay. right. That's right. amazing. And so and you can't control that. It just happens by people watching. It's algorithm. You know, it's algorithmic. Right. You know, so right. but you can control. It. You could be like, please put me on the splash page. Got it. Please uh, give me a. Uh, let's do some kind of like Halloween deal. Nice. And so all these things right. like get the clicks, and then the algorithms continue on, and 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 so that's how it works. So. We got in early and, and that, you know, helped make it a, a kind of cult hit. Uh, it's But we never had that big distributor. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so that, that's a great story. So then from there, um, I'm guessing just sort of from your resume that mm-hmm. you were, you said, okay, if we were able to do sort of this urban legend meets true crime, yeah. you know, that would be a great anthology series. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So yeah. that's where Killer Legends was born, which yep. ended up being a doc, sort of a series within a doc. Well, again. It probably was supposed to be a series. Yeah, yeah. That was a pilot for the Chiller Network. I remember and, Chiller. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was a pilot. And, and again, it was weird because, like, we thought, oh, this is it. This is in. We're in, like, Flynn. And we went and pitched it to all these executives and all these executives. The ghost hunting thing was really big at the time. Right. And so they're like, okay, what do you, they were like, I don't get it. Right. You know, I was like, well, you know, I was like, look, we have Cropsey with this big proof of concept. And they're like, I don't get it. What are you searching for if you're not searching for ghosts? I was like, ah, truth behind your nightmares. I was like, you know, ghosts aren't real, right? You know, and so. They didn't like that. Yeah. they, They were not into the fact that we couldn't like. Like, what's behind the door? Right. You know, and it was, but I knew it was still scary. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I remember like, they're like, clowns, evil clowns. What the hell does that mean? You know, and I I was like, you know, I was like, we could go do Gacy, link back to the clown thing, Heath Ledger, make all these connections, you know, chaos. And so, yeah, they just. I feel like you were ahead of your time on that one. I feel (laughs) Right? That feels like a today pitch. Yeah. That would have done really well. Because isn't there lore? Yeah, yeah, Lord, yeah. Lord, 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 have so yeah, a little ahead of our time. I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to get old, <laughs> or I am old, but I'm waiting to get older, older. I guess. So like, I'll start to like not be so ahead, and maybe You'll like catch up to yourself. Yeah, catch up to myself, <laughs> right? Funny. You know what I'm saying. And then, how long did that take to make? And 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 we, did you shoot it like a series that ended up sort of being a doc? Like what was? Oh the... right, so we just did it for Chiller. It was a pilot, and oh, then we it. just ended up doing it as an anthem we're like we got the rights from from chiller got it. and then we're like oh well, well we'll put this on you know netflix and hulu and then it ended up being like top five on hulu you know so, so cool i mean the streaming thing has been amazing for your career yeah right like yeah. you said that your stuff just does so well on those it's weird outlets. yeah it's weird you know and that's where like the kids kind of you know kids you know we're all kids, kids. today the kids today get <laughs> off my lawn <laughs> i love it Wasn't well yeah you meddling I, kids you know but i feel like people and i don't know if this probably preceded making a murderer but i feel like in a way making a murderer opened the door for that for the podcast for the true crime on streaming for people to say and serial you yeah, know, it was serial. Serial, right? Yeah. Sorry, it was serial, and yeah. then sort of, you know, as an audio, and then making murder as a visual. Like, I want to deep dive. I want to go. I want to spend time with this. Yeah. So basically, we had. I had been pitching all these kind of like. First of all, I was pitching like, like, mini series. Yeah. And people were like, no. So we were ahead on the on the early <laughs> side of pitching the, the mini series right. too. Limited series. Limited series. You know. I take it from my comic books, mini series, <laughs> right. like one of four, and um, and so we were always trying to pitch that, and people were kind of like, ah, I don't know, like we want something that goes from season to season, and then so that was a that was a 
a no, as we call it, you know, the no's. <laughs> and then and then people, they wanted, executives wanted so much closure. You know, they wanted who did it, why, the, the how done, they wanted the who done it. And I sell the how done it. Yeah, yeah. I, I started the why done it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like why? Yeah. Why does it happen? And so finally, when Making Murder came out, they realized, okay, you know, audiences. Oh, sorry, serial. Right. When serial, you can came live out, in the gray area. You can live in the gray. Right. The yeah. gray's cool. Yeah. The, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that opened up the door. At the time that serial came out, I was pitching, um, the Killing Season. Yeah, let's talk about that. So that was, you know, that was sort of my dream come true. When I saw the announcement of that, mm-hmm. I thought because I was so into serial and we were producing John Bonet at the time where we yeah. had the investigators on camera. Yeah. So the killing season was um, you and uh, Rachel, uh, Rachel mm-hmm. Mills, another mm-hmm. documentarian. Yeah. Um, investigating, I guess, what started as the Long Island serial killer murders uh, based on a book right. called The Lost, Lost Girls. Girls. Yeah. And then sort of became something else again. Right, and right. so let's go back on that. You originally envisioned that as a doc, right? So I was going to do, very interesting. I was, I'll tell you a secret. I was going to do um, the Long Island case. You know, people, post-Cropsy, people are like, you got to do another serial killer. Yeah. You gotta do, and I didn't want to do another right, serial killer. Right. I was like, I like, you know, crime. I don't like serial killers this much. Right. Um, now I actually do. And so I <laughs> got the, back into the it. the best. I got back into it. <laughs> yeah. you no, know, I had a mother of one of the missing kids in Cropsey kind of like tell me that I was picking a dead kid's bones. <gasps> and then she said, she's like, you could do this. You could do this, miss, you know, this Cropsey thing. You could, you could talk about, you know, this one of these children. But just promise me you'll never do another serial killer thing. And I really took that to heart. Wow. And so I didn't want to for a long time. And then... Uh, the list case happened, and then I realized there was another like marginalized victim group, which were these sex workers right. who nobody cared about. And I was like, okay, now I can go in with with you know clean heart. What is it? Clear eyes and clear you know full heart. heart. Yeah, and and I can attack this story. Yeah, know? it's interesting that you both of those have that commonality: children and sex work. You know, sort of the like marginalized victims. The marginalized victims, and yeah. it is so interesting when you think about that because I do believe that. If they hadn't been sex workers, it would have been a whole different thing. Oh, totally. Right? I mean, people would have given a shit. Yeah, I mean, but also that it, but it also wouldn't have made it as popular in some respects because it's 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 like the, I believe the Long Island serial killer case is the modern day Jack the Ripper case. Wow. So so much so, um, so. And is that was that part of your pitch? It wasn't. It really, it it wasn't until found that out later. Until I was like, wait a second. I was like, the like. This commonality is bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. Um, and so, and there's a lot of reasons why when, when actually you get in, into the series. Um, so I, I guess we were talking about like how that, how it came up. Yeah. So you said, here's a secret. Oh, oh right, right. So, sorry, <laughs> I'm I'll tell you the secret. secret. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the Long Island case as kind of like, you know, a follow-up to Cropsey. Like, here's this story about all these sex workers murdered you know, and 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 the police fumble the ball right. big time, right? Fumble, fumble, fumble. And I was like, and and I was like, we can make it just like this. It's kind of creepy. It's kind of weird. It's in my backyard. And I was like, and maybe we'll do it as a hybrid, like a real hybrid. We spoke about this yeah. the other day, right? Yeah. What, what's a true hybrid? Yeah. Not dialogue in the middle. <laughs> right. I'm talking getting some of the victims, sisters, uh, family members, and some of the police to. We start out as investigating the crime and suddenly one of our interviewees disappears and then it becomes game on narrative. So it goes from a, the do, all the setting, the construction is all doc, but then at a certain point it flips to narrative. Interesting. Now that's, a, that's, that's crossing some boundaries. Yeah, that's ballsy. Yeah, people are going to be like, <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. You know? Unless I had victim family members who are like you can because yeah. this is the only way people giving are you permission. giving me permission because this is the only way we're ever going to find this is to say oh you know somehow if I said it in the narrative world it's going to affect you you know so we were going to do that but then we ended up meeting with Alex Gibney and he was great you know he's an unbelievable filmmaker and then we realized that we could really 
it was actually my agent at the time, Alan Moore, who's unbelievable from APA, couldn't recommend the guy more. He's like, this could be a series. And so he connected you to Alex. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what a get. Like, that's a great person. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And what did Alex, and I read this somewhere that you had said that, you know, where you were sort of a little bit um, skittish on the whole sex worker of it right, all. He's right. like, no, lean into the darkness. Lean into the pain. You which know? was and, probably a different way to look at it. No, I mean, it was that, that that's, that's, that's why you have these guys around yeah. who were yeah. smart, you yeah. know, and they tell you to like, no, take your negatives and make it a positive. I didn't think any network would want that's, to yeah. do something as dark about dead sex workers. Right. Um, yeah, well, I can understand that fear because that's real. I totally, mean, right? Like, I when mean, have they done that? You yeah, know, never. Like, sorry, it's a little too dark. And let me ask you honestly, I mean, do you think that they, that because of Alex, you were able to, like in other oh, words. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, if it wasn't for Alex, they would have, they would have never, I never would have gotten the show. And at the end of the day, I still think they're like, mm, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I, we would have rated better if it wasn't for the sex worker part. I think that's what they think, unfortunately, you know. I wonder if they're right. They could be. I mean, that's depressing, but I just, I that depresses me to think that, but I just want, I don't think, I mean, I watched it, I don't yeah. think so, but but I think, honestly, with sure. certain other networks, not yep. to be named, yep. we're so used to, and even the Datelines in the 2020s, I mean, we're so used to sort of the perfect crime wrapped up in a salacious story with, you know, the mother of three who was the PTA mom and, you know, it turned out the dad killed, you know, it's sort of like a different kind of narrative than this dark, dark, sad world. Well, that's my job. My job is to make people care about people who yeah. you wouldn't necessarily care about or else it just falls into the Dateline 48 hours thing and then you've really, you haven't moved the ball. Yeah. You've not, you've not really, you know, proven yourself as a filmmaker. So my job is to make people care about dead sex workers. And the way to do that is to sh is to is to show how these sex workers aren't just like crazy like, you know, right. crack addict on the on the corner. Like these were women who had full families, you know, addiction, opiate addiction. Guess who's so addicted to, to opiates, you know, you know, middle class white males, you know, Staten Island, New York, Long Island, you know, everywhere. Middle class, middle class, yeah. you know. So 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 when you get down and you you humanize these victims, then you really care. Yeah. So I don't think it was the sex workers why we didn't rape. Yeah. I think it was being on fucking Saturday night. <laughs> but you know, there's a there is the bias. You know, there is the uh, you know, as the filmmaker, you have to get over uh, the network fear. That's your job. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. So it's interesting. I wonder, I had on um, Eddie Schmidt, who was our showrunner, executive producer for John Bonet, and he was a documentarian before um, he went into series and mm -hmm. he sort of bounces back and forth. And mm -hmm. we talked about sort of, you know, there was a bias for a long time against documentarians then doing series. It's like, well, you don't know how to break something into, you know, six yeah, to eight episodes. So you did know, you yeah. encounter that you know, as well, sort of coming from the, you know, pure doc world into now getting, how many episodes well, was it? Eight? Eight. Yeah. Eight. Well, you know, I, I, I will admit that I learned that it was a learning curve. Like okay. I, so, you know, my biggest lesson was I waited too long for the, for the, you know, for the break, you know, every series at some part has to have that, that just like a third act in every movie yeah. or like the late second where everything suddenly you like reveal the map and everybody's like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. Right. Like, oh, I, that it, went, it came too late came in too the late. series. Came, to, came in six. Huh. The, the the serial killer map that shows serial killers everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. came at the end of five, beginning beginning of six. And if it's linear broadcast, right. that's got to come in four. Right. Had it been streaming. That Had it been streaming, been I could have been fine. Yeah. I been and fine. I'm curious about that because the network, I'm <laughs> Now I'm starting to get like, now I'm starting to be like, ah. Yeah. Now, you know. Well, you got to think like that. Yeah. So I'm surprised actually that the network didn't urge you to push it up sooner. Um. Well... I good good point. I think I don't think they saw that as the solve that I see as the right. solve. Right, you saw it as the big thing. I saw it as the big yeah. thing. I think they saw different things. I mean, look at the end of the day, um, and not to you know, I I totally get everything from their standpoint. I yeah. get it. Yeah, like, yeah. Like my job is to also understand where they're coming of from course. and understand it's about ad sales. You and know? on what their audience is used to watching, yeah, you and know, all, all that, that stuff. Well, yeah. I, I understand ad sales more than what more <laughs> more than them trying to tell me what their audience wants. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, I got ad 
ad sales I get. That's yeah. dollars and cents. Yeah. That adds up at the end of the day. And it says, if you don't make, you're not, you can't do this. Right. That's fine. I get that. Right. Tell me what your audience really wants. Yeah. That I don't believe. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Because you need to push your audience to, to new highs and new lows. Yeah. That's what Netflix does. They, they move the ball, you know. So Yeah. And I think A&E in general, and it was on A&E, um, I think that they uh, they definitely take more risks than most. I will Absolutely. say that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I will definitely say that their audience is more sophisticated, my Absolutely. guess would be, from their program. Absolutely. And, you know, and in a shows like Intervention, I love Intervention. Oh, my God. That I mean, good. that show, we're used to it now. But yeah, do you yeah. remember when that show was announced? Yeah. People went fucking crazy. And and 48 Hours. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like that's balls, you know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I love that. First stuff. 48. First, first 48. yeah. I was like, first wait a 48. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 48, 48. Hours CBS. Um, and so <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love gritty, that stuff. Absolutely. It's gritty, gritty stuff um but it, you know so it's 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 all good and and i really enjoyed working with them and i learned a lot about linear broadcast yeah so you well it's good to be nimble you know and yeah, now you have sort of all of the skill set yeah to bear which is going to be great for your career in terms of like hey look i can i can bounce back and forth i can i can bend to streaming i can go to linear i can go you know mm-hmm, i mean that's mm-hmm. i think those are all really if you're going to be sort of marketable yeah in today's marketplace i mean not to you know, dilute us to a brand, but sure, sure. you have to be able to be able, you know, you can't be like, I'm an artist. Fuck you. Hey, it's a business, you know, and <laughs> you know? no. And, and as a producer, I used to go like, who are you making them? Who to an, uh, I used to go to a director. Who are you making your movie for? Are you making it for you? Yeah. Or are you making it for your audience? Cause if you're making for you, that's your ego. Yeah. Good for you. That's and, very, and, that very mature. Well, no, I mean, you know, no, you could still be an artist, whatever. Right. And you can, no, do but to have that, I think some directors probably don't give a shit. So I think to have that, 360 view is probably the smart way to well, go. Uh, well, no, because there's some artists who will turn around and be like, ah, you're a fucking sellout. I'm not a sellout. You know no, what I'm saying? I no, like, no. like I know exactly what I'm doing. You know, I also just know that like you make it for you and for them. Like it's it's a duality right. of that. You right. Know? Yes, I could go on a big tangent on that, but I'm not going to. And no, no, no. It no, involved no. Woody Allen for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so we're no, not going to go on that. Tangent. No, you know, do I make it? But who do I make it for? Do I make it for the networks or do I make it for my audience? Ah, I make it for my audience. I don't make it for the network. Right. You know. Well, and presumably you think the network is making it for their audience too. That is my that is my that is my point. So you know what I'm saying. So you know the shades of of artist gray. You know, and and, you know it was nice. I showed some trailer. The I showed you know the sizzle and some network network exec said you are an artist so you know that's nice to hear wow that's like the ultimate the ultimate validation because you just don't hear that word a lot in our business no you don't and when you do it's usually douchey (laughs) (laughs) and you're like oh my god he just called himself an artist right exactly so to get that validation from them right you can't say you're you can never say that you're an artist if you do I will think you're a douche (laughs) I've heard that before and I was like that guy's a dick (laughs) yeah totally so it's interesting you've been so you were on camera you know you were the sort of on camera investigator and crap and then killing lunches and then killing fields. And we talked about this the other day. Yeah, a like why? Well, just like, is it your thing or is it just kind of happen? my thing? Right. So it's not. So here's the deal. Like, <laughs> I don't want it to be my thing. I, trust me. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's going to be me. Like, here I am. Like, I, like, you know, I'm a short guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no reason that I'm thinking like I'm, I'm all that. Literally, the reason is, is so that I can get get things done quicker. It you cuts know? out all of the it stuff. cuts out all yeah. this stuff. So here, this goes back to something we were talking about before, active investigation, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason why nobody does active investigation. It's fucking hard. And it's okay? long. And a long editorial process, Yeah. right? If I can go on camera, I can get to things quicker and I and I know how to like, like be like, oh, I wonder what this means and like not say anything for 30 seconds so we can get out. Totally. Yeah. So people don't just to explain that, like, if it's if it's not you, there's so many channels that are happy. You know, you might have like a researcher and a PA and a this and a that. And then you have to go here. And then maybe if you're on air talent is then the talent. Like there's just 17 steps to get it right, to get it right, where you can get your sort of all of those hats in one. Right. Like I know, like, okay, like, like, okay, I know that this crime matches this thing. Maybe this is like an interesting thing. So I'll bring that up. And as long as I can turn around and give the out about like, huh, I wonder what this means or or the quintessential, huh, or was it? 
<laughs> you, you know, like <laughs> dun, dun, dun. yeah, it's like, like if I give the throw, I can just move on. So yeah. it was always a means to an end. Yeah, if I could find somebody else who can yeah. be like, okay, maybe you want to bring in Jack the Ripper here because this is very Jack the Ripper esque, yeah. or you want to bring in this, or you want to bring in yeah. that. You know, right. so if you could do it, <laughs> yeah. hell, right, I'd rather not be out yeah. at eight o'clock in the morning going through poison <laughs> ivy. You know, pointing out some. Did you actually get poison ivy? Oh my god, like bad, bad. Oh god, so. The Long Island serial killer <laughs> is a really smart guy. There's two of them, but he's yes. a really smart guy. By the way, if you uh, you can watch a show on uh, Amazon right yes. now. And if you haven't seen it, it's a deep, deep dive yeah. into the Long Island serial killer case. And I know my true crime. This is literally one of the most bizarre, fucked up cases in the past, I would say, 20 years. Um, Absolutely. You know, yeah. With so many twists and turns and so many weird, like, red herrings and stories around the stories. Right. It's not even like half of it is like there's the serial killing. There's, is it one killer or two? There's the police corrupt. There is so much shit. So this guy was dumping these body parts or bodies, depending on which guy, in, in along Ocean Parkway, and it's covered in poison oak Ugh. and poison the police wouldn't even go in and search wow can't okay. they just go in in the you know covered full tie back yeah, suits yeah sure but y- you know like when you you know in the in the 90s and 80s you know you saw like 100 police officers so so it's so thick yeah like the, the brush is thick you can't see like 5 feet below you oh you God. reach in so you're talking about like 300 uh, cadets in tieback suits like that's just not easy it's just not easy to do that you know and and then and then like imagine like day one nobody knows that there's that much poison ivy and like five guys that get covered in poison ivy and they're like fuck that I'm not going in there yeah you know what I'm saying and so he's winning that's a win it's right. a win to put these body parts in in this area smart and, sm- totally smart wow and he was also using territory lines like he knew exactly where the Jesus. where the county line was some person's body is half in the county line and the arms and legs are in the other. Like God that is damn. that is smart stuff. So so like and we would go in there and our job was to like, you know, show the investigation. So like we're in the middle of like literally like neck high poison ivy. You know we're getting poison ivy. <laughs> right. You know, we're like, all right. Oh my, that's my worst nightmare. <laughs> oh, fully. Full I went on. almost blind when I was in fourth grade from yeah, poison ivy. Yes, and some people like freak out, you yeah, know, from it. So it, it, oh, God. Yeah, we so got you were really in the trenches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like in every single way. <laughs> and But it was good, too, because some people are like, you know, in, in one of these cases, there's this woman named Shannon Gilbert who was a sex worker who may or may not actually have been part of it. And if she wasn't, it is literally one of the most unbelievable coincidences in all of true crime. And if you work with police, they say that there's no such thing as coincidence, but they're asking us to believe that there is coincidence. So, it, so it's all, that's what I'm saying. It's like so wow. fucked up. But she... She had stripped off some of her clothes right. and runs out into this marsh in May. And I, I believe that she died from hypothermia. People are like, wait a second. May in 19, it was 50 degrees, you know, but it's like, no. When you're out there in the wind. Oh, yeah. No, it could be freezing. It could be freezing. Yeah. And so, and, and, and people are like, well, how do you know this? I was like, because I spent. <laughs> right. I was literally in I was, the hypothermia. I was, right. I was freezing my ass off out there in, you know, for a year. Oh that, that show took nine months to edit. Wow. That's unreal. And so when you're, I, I always wonder about this because I have, a, I'm someone who has a hard time separating. I have a hard time going to sleep at night and I have a hard time turning off my brain and not sort of separating something that I'm doing from life. When you're in this the trenches of this horror, you know, with these dead, you know, it just it's really tough stuff. How it do is. you kind of compartmentalize and be a normal human being? Or are you just not normal? I'm not normal. <laughs> okay, just no, seriously. I mean, it's. It, do you, you sleep? Yeah, I sleep. Okay. Um, like I don't like. Have, but it's like, an investigation too. Like, isn't your mind just running and running and running? Yeah, but like, listen, I'm I'm I run pretty hot. You know, all the time. Right. So, so you I, get exhausted. So, yeah. So I get exhausted, right. you know, number one. Yeah. And and number two, like, it gives my mind something to do. Right. You know, that's actually a good thing. Okay. Um, but the other thing is, and, and you made this correlation before, which is, um, you know, when you're out, when you're out at in Albuquerque at two o'clock in the morning talking to sex workers who you know won't be alive 
in, in six months. They'll be dead. Not because they'll be killed, but because of drugs. Ugh. You say, for the grace of God, you know, yeah. go I. Yeah. And so that allows you to sleep. You know what I'm saying? You're just yeah. like, you fucking go to bed. Right. Thank your lucky stars and, that you're not out there. Right, and you're going to wake up in the morning. And you're going to wake up in the morning. And your your life is not like that. And then, you know, these people need help. Yeah. You know, I get I get Facebook's every messages Every day, I, I when there's a one comes up in my Facebook thing, it's like, "Can you help me? Can you help me?" And my how mother, do you deal with that? That's, you can't. That, help that's them almost all. the hard. That's yeah. almost the harder part, right, you know. And, right. and you know, I reached out to you six months ago. Will you help me? My uh, mother was a sex worker. You know, that's the tougher stuff because you you're not helping. Right. You know? I mean, how can you? How can you? filter it out you know what i mean that that must be really but, tough but somebody said the, to me the other day that was nice they're like i never would have called i never would have pushed the police um if it wasn't for you guys pushing the police i mean that's it right there right like yeah. it's like that's mean that means you did something it's not, yeah. not just about the art it's not just about hey awards or any of that it's like you're actually really helping human beings yeah, you know, and 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 so you know, it's gratifying. It it is gratifying. It's 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 interesting too, you know. And <laughs> so some network was, I was pitching something, and some network said, "Well, you know, we really like to have a an on air um, expert, a, a police person," and and you know, you work with law yes, enforcement, you know. Do. So I, I I totally get it, but at the same time, I'm like. Can I just uh, mention that the uh, our our connection to law enforcement is changing here in the United States at the moment. We're we're having a big debate about community pe- policing, the role of community policing, and we're talking about crimes that are unsolved. So, like, it, th- th- that shouldn't be the go-to answer all the time that we need, you know, a police officer to lead us through these crimes. Well, and also, absolutely. Bullshit. Well, and, 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 and absolutely. And like what you've done and a lot of these podcasts, I don't know if you heard about this Up and Vanished, which uh, was about this missing woman for the last 12 years. And mm-hmm. he resurrected the cold case and they found the killers yeah. after 12 years. He drew attention to it. More right. people came forward because an average citizen documentarian. Right. I mean, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. Same thing with cereal. I mean, right. it's it's. Or, so that's the know. the irony here is that yes. you know you're still stuck in the old ways. We're like, well, right. We, well, we need a cop. Way. Right. Yeah. I was like, you don't need yeah. a cop. And we in, need to shake the tree. You know. And in fact, you know, people like you know like, but we're not cops. You know, I think it's a lot easier to you know right. connect with somebody who's not a cop than is a cop. Yes, we all like the heroes and the you yeah. know cops and robbers story, but that's like. 20 years well, not ago. only that, like we're doing a show now, I can't really talk about it, but it's an average citizen like you doing the investigation and she's getting more access of course. because of she's right. it's stuff that they wouldn't give law enforcement. And that's, right. you know, a whole other way to look at this. So let me ask you a question. What, you know, you're obviously firmly in the true crime genre. What are your goals for the next 15 years of your career? Do you think ahead or are you just sort of like project whatever inspires you in the moment? Um. Interesting enough, by the way, I'm doing a movie about a whale. I love. Oh, I love. Is it? Wait, what was the one? Blackfish. Oh uh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haunt, no, it's good. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a movie about a, a search for this whale uh, called the loneliest whale in the world. He's known as the 52 Hertz whale. So where is? Or we don't know where's where the whale. Is. You have to watch the movie. But is it? A, is it a doc? Yeah, it's a doc. Wow, a doc. Oh, that's so interesting. Is it so, shot already? Uh, yeah, yeah. Editing at the moment. Wow. So that'll come out pretty soon. Very but, exciting. So I kind of like to mix it up. You yeah. Know, I, I like true crime a lot. Um, there's just the stories that have always inspired me. So, I, you know, I will use this interest to kind of re- do those stories. Right. Um, but then I love a narrative space as well. So, yeah. you know, working in the narrative world, you know. Um, but docs are, docs are tough. Docs are hard, you know. Yeah. Real filmmakers make docs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. That's balls, you know, really. Yeah, you know. yeah. interesting. So I always end with some sort of standard questions. Sure. Um, and so the first one is, what is your proudest accomplishment career-wise that you've done? Oof, that's tough. Yeah. You know, each one, on, on it's the it's in the aggregate. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I love Cropsey for, for what it was, but right. you, you can't rest on that. Right. You right. know? So I love Killing Season for what it was because that expands to, like, now I'm an eight. You know? Okay. Now can we get it even further? You know? Yeah. Was there a moment 
along the way in the last however many years where you thought, like, I can't believe I did that, or there are just too many to name? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I still can't believe that I knocked on the door of the... um, of the motorcycle gang, um, what what was their names? Uh, Is it the banditos? No, no, it wasn't the banditos. It was the um, <laughs> the Cossacks. Those are the, the only Cossacks. ones I know. No, that, it's not even the warlocks. But I can't believe I Hell's knocked... Angels. No, but they're no. Pre- they're pretty I know bad. It was in they're pretty season. bad. They're yeah. yeah, it's in the thing. Um, An outlaw gang. Oh, it was the outlaws. Yeah, Thank they're you. they're actually called the outlaws. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're the one percent. Right, the one percent. So they're the, the crazy motherfuckers. Yeah, the ones who who, who kill. Right, and um, <laughs> right. without. And so, kind of knocking on their door. Did you have security for that kind of stuff? I did. We had I had a SWAT guy next to me. Okay, but he's like, yeah, he's like, like, I can't do shit. (laughs) No, no, he's like, if we go, he's like, I remember we're like pulling up in a minivan, and he's like, by the way, this is the same minivans that the cops use when they raid these places. Great. And he's like, and if there's a guy inside who does not want to go to jail, you're dead. We're done. And so, and I was just like, at that moment, you know. I was just like, fuck it, let's, let's do this. Do you, you have know? kids? I do. Okay, so do you think about that? <sighs> I think he would be proud. <laughs> I hope that he would be proud that I was trying to, you know, do this. He hasn't seen any of the stuff. Okay, how, um, how old is he? 15. Okay. But I. Does know. he want to see it and you want? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He loves curious. that I do it, but yeah. I, I also don't want to scare you. Know, right, no, it's scary him, as hell. You know? um, so, um, so going that's knocking scary. on the door yeah. of the motorcycle club, knowing that like there could be a crazy guy who's in there. Is like I'm not going. You're not taking me alive. You know, and this was like right after that shootout <laughs> oh had happened. Right. Um. Or um. Jesus. You know, I definitely met some 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 full on serial killers. Yeah, that's uh, terrifying. Were mm-hmm. you scared when you were corresponding with Rand in jail, or were you because he was in jail? So he was in jail. Yeah. Yeah. See that kind of stuff freaks me out. Even though he's in jail, he's so psychotic. Or I, I do. There was a couple of people in the killing season. Like I, there was yeah. a while there. I was more worried for Rachel than, than yeah. myself. But yeah. at the same time, like you know, I'm I'm waiting to like lock the door in my office. And you're like, Mister Zeman, <laughs> you know, is that you? You know, and I'd be like, eh. yeah, bam, bam. You know. Well, and I've heard you say like you don't give out your address. You don't. You're very yeah, yeah. yeah covert. No, um, no do you doubts. have any regrets in your career? Sure. <laughs> What's your favorite regret? <laughs> <laughs> I got a good one actually. Oh, good. Uh, um, I was a PA and uh, and uh, I just worked in this movie, Sleep with Me, and uh, <laughs> they were like, they were like, you're really good. It was my junior year of college. They're like, you're really good. Why don't you come work with us on this next movie? And I was like, no, no, no. I'm gonna go back to college and you know get my degree and write something that you know. Wins the Palme d'Or, yeah, or some stupid fucking <laughs> shit like that, and right, win the Palme d'Or. They're like, you sure you don't want to come? I was like, no, 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 I got to go back to college. Got to do something. I'm gonna make some of my life. They're like, fine. The movie that I could have gone on to do was Pulp Fiction, which won the Palme d'Or. Oh my god! Oops. <laughs> Oops. It's fine. It's fine. We all make our decisions. Like it's good to get the the bad thing out of the way, like wicked right, early in the right. beginning. It can only go up from there. It can only go up from there. That's funny. So when we talked the other day, and I asked if you had watched. I don't know, some show, and you said you try not to watch anything. Uh, yeah, I don't watch anything. So when you relax or whatever. What do I do? Yeah. I watch like like <laughs> superhero movies. <laughs> you know, I like, I watch superhero movies if they're good. Yeah. Like Logan was great. Yeah, um, I heard. Uh, I read a lot. Yeah. You what know? Got, uh, true crime? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. I'm one of those, like, yeah. I, I do like to read the true crime. Yeah. Um, um, and what else do I like? I work a lot. Yeah. A little bit of not a, a lot of downtime. A little bit of a workaholic. Yeah. Well, those are the successful ones. So they say. So they say. <laughs> well, this has been such a great conversation. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care.